We actually have a really challenging one we're doing at the moment in the Middle East, a resort in the Middle East where we're having to deal with a beautiful freeform canopy structure which is cantilevering off moment-resistant connections about nine meters and it's 12 meters tall so it's on an angle. But it being out in the desert dealing with high humid we're having to work with different species to overcome these challenges. And so it's exciting, you know, we always want to be on the cutting edge, but doing it within the realms of acceptability. Hello, I'm Claire Bennett, host of the Original Thinkers podcast, where we take a deeper dive into what it takes to have an original thought, the impact of it, and how it endures over time. At a time when original thinking could not be more important, I'll be talking to some of our country's leading minds about their creative process and about how creativity can improve lives and make a meaningful difference. On today's episode, I speak with Dane Davis. Dane is Managing Director of Timber Design Studio, a firm that designs timber buildings internationally. They bring sustainable and forward-thinking design approaches to the mainstream of society. Welcome, Dane. Thank you for having me. Your LinkedIn page, it says you're an aspiring green swan and a big picture thinker looking outside the box for innovative solution to today's sustainability problems. So there's quite a lot to unpack there. But firstly, what can you tell me about a green swan? What is it? I guess it's a term to describe a person or event, but it's actually, I come across it in a book by John Elkington, Green Swans. And it actually talks about there's different events in the world. There's green swans, black swans, but essentially a green swan is a personal or event that you know wants to find systematic solutions to global challenges in a positive, exponential way. So I guess that's a statement to, to remind that there's obviously challenges, there's challenges globally, and that we always should look at it to try and find a positive way, in this case, trying to find green solutions and more environmental solutions to everyday essential things like developments, buildings. I guess that's my take on it. But yeah, essentially, Green Swans is something that I read in the book by John, and i quite inspired, and I thought it's a good way to sum up a good frame of mind, you know. Absolutely. What a perfect thing to aspire to be with the challenges that we currently have in the world. Mass Timber is obviously the business that you have so strongly found yourself in. How can Mass Timber then help solve some of today's sustainability problems? Well, there's certainly a short-term and long-term discussion around Mass Timber. So, you know, the world is quickly changing with the carbon topic, right? And the carbon topic is becoming a realization on many fronts. In Europe, it's actually being taxed as a development, so it has financial implications to developers. And then, of course, big, large corporations with large sustainability and carbon reduction goals to meet the Paris Climate Agreement and that. The easiest thing to tick off the box is timber because it sequesters carbon, right, through photosynthesis. It's a natural progress. So Quickly, timber is becoming the material of choice construction-wise for many buildings, or at least to explore it in its early days. Some are early adapters and, and others are, you know, I'm sure we'll look at it more closely in years to come, but it just seems to be the lowest hanging fruit that people are exploring. But in the short term, you know, I think it's a, it's a great thing to explore and I think it has a lot of positives. Long term in the building solutions, design ideas, I think it really has to be hybrid. Timber is great, but it has to be used in the right place with the right product for the right outcome. It's not the solution for everything. And I think one of the things we have to be careful about is in typical human nature, we all seem to be 100% with something. This is the one thing that's going to solve everything. I think all of a sudden, if we start using timber 100% in its purest form, then all of a sudden, there's going to be such a huge demand on forests and we start overcutting. And then we realize 
we're not planting quick enough, and it just creates a whole chain of event. You know, I think the future for me in all countries is hybrid solutions. You know, steel frame, timber floors, or mixture of timber concrete composite floors. I think that's really going to be the future, but certainly the short term, it's answering easy questions on carbon reduction. You have then been involved in designing some of the world's, and certainly locally in Tasmania, some of our most sustainable and carbon positive buildings. So two that come to mind are St. Luke's, which is soon to be under development or currently under development, and also the University of Tasmania and some of their most recent developments. What can you tell me about these projects and how they've brought timber in in a hybrid solution way? Yeah, for sure. I think to start with the couple of small UTAS things that we've done to date, uh, for example, the staircase at the new development in Launceston, again, you know, it's a fantastic architectural outcome for the building. And it does, of course, over the global analysis of carbon for this building, reduce the carbon, obviously, because it's timber. But again, it was used in a fashion where it's only used as a certain element, not for everything. So again, used in a very economic way. And in terms of St. Luke's, again, it's a fantastic example of one way to do a hybrid building. I mean, we have this traditional brick exterior, which they kept. Again, a bit of facadism there. We're able to retain it so we're not knocking everything down and rebuilding from scratch, which is great for carbon and carbon reduction. And then we have two floors of suspended concrete uh, post-tension, which again, great for fire separation and the like. Uh, so it, you know, again, right products in the right situation. And then we get into um, four stories, five stories there of glue lamb, post and beam and CLT. And what was great about working with St. Luke's and the St. Luke's team, Terroir, and Mr. Tucker and, and the development team in Launch System was the fact that they wanted to explore. They wanted local products first. So, you know, unfortunately, we couldn't get glue lamb uh, on that project to work locally. But, you know, we have some of the panels coming from XLAM at Aubrey Wodonga using radiated pine. And we have some of the panels coming from CUSP in Northwest Tasmania. So, and then actually on the roof structure, then we have a lightweight steel frame roof with timber internal fit out products. So, I think it's just a great example of what a hybrid building can look like, especially with a concrete core for fire safety up and down and lateral stability. It really is a perfect example of using all three materials in one project for a great outcome financially and aesthetically. You know? And so that building, St. Luke's, is set to be the first zero carbon building or even carbon positive building in Tasmania, or is it even in Australia, perhaps? How does the timber help with that accounting process? And is there some sort of accounting process that is used when you're doing the engineering right from the get-go that says if we use this material, this is what the bottom line is going to look like. If we switch it out for timber, this is what the bottom line is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. So as you're developing the design and you start working out structural sizing of the different elements, depending on the material, there's actually proprietary tools and there's specialists, there's, you know, a sustainability specialists that can use these tools that actually, as the engineers and the architects providing the sizing of the design, they could calculate live the carbon input or output. And it obviously comes to a balance, whether it's positive, negative, wherever it may lead. And there's tools being developed every day to do it in uh, live modeling as we're doing 3D models and the like. So this is a great uh, real-life feedback where we sit in the carbon spectrum. Of course, for it to be absolutely accurate, we have to get down to the finite detailing as to where exactly is the concrete come from? How far is it driving? What sort of truck is it using? You know, Same with the timber. Uh, where is the timber being sourced from? Where is it being cut? Where is it being dried? So there's a chain of command there for logistics and using of trucks. You can make it as complex as you want or as simple as you want, but certainly as you further develop the construction plan and procurement plan, those calculations become more and more refined until they could be absolute. So one of the other things that I've always found quite interesting when I've 
discussed with you mass timber over and above concrete or when I've been writing articles about projects and case studies and talking to builders is the speed of construction. So one of the key things that drives up carbon emissions on a construction site is that you've got people coming and going and coming and going for a really extended period of time. Whereas with mass timber, what might have taken three months to do with some more traditional materials can go up in two days. What are the other benefits of timber in terms of a whole of project approach to reducing carbon, but also cost on a project? How does it add up when you look at the cost of the material versus the whole project? Yeah, great question. First, in terms of, I guess, when we start around the cost and carbon topic, we really have to choose the right timber product for the right situation. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, since coming to Australia, everyone seems to love the CLT discussion. The CLT is one of a handful of products you can use for floors. And of course, there's post and beams out of glue lamb and and there's other products such as LVL, Babusha, the like products that are uh, in the market. But we really have to choose the right product for the right financial outcome, structurally, aesthetically, all of this. CLT isn't the solution for every situation. And I think that's where a lot of timber projects have fallen down, where it's been designed for CLT because that's the popular three letters in the industry, but might not be the right for that situation. Of course, financially, it doesn't work. So if you choose the right product, then if we talk about on-site, it comes prefabricated. So unlike concrete, of course, where you have your your formwork and then your rebar or post-tension, and rebar, and then you have to pour it, uh, and then you have to wait for it to cure it. This is a process that takes several weeks, not just to form it up, but then to wait for it to dry. And if it's multi-story, you're having to backprop three levels at a time. With timber, because it's a pre-finished panel, uh, if we're talking CLT, for example, and post and beam or a glue lamb, you're not waiting for anything to, to cure. You don't have realistically any backpropping apart from temporary props on the columns. Once the floor's in, then it's self-stable and you can jump to the next floor and literally the next day you can start reticulating services underneath. So we're increasing the speed on site by weeks per floor, if not months, because you don't have this backpropping you have to strip. You know, one of the things that early days we found people, I guess, pushed aside timber from being non-practical from a cost point of view was because of the fact of the maybe not considering it in the right way in terms of the economics of timber, right? So when you're designing a timber building, if we take Launceston, for example, the timber's all visible. So when we're doing the analysis, number one, you have to think of what would the weight of this building be in concrete versus timbers? Much less, one-fifth the weight, roughly, one-half the weight. So the foundation loads less, so less concrete and foundations. And then if you leave it bare in its element, you can't just compare the cost of concrete and the cost of timber because now all of a sudden it's taking the place of the paint budget, gyprock budget, the finishes budget. That all goes into the structures package to pay for timber. So when you really weigh out all the pros and cons down the, the spreadsheet, we found that it is, especially the reduction of preliminaries on site, it's so much quicker. There's less manpower. You know, a team of six to eight carpenters will put this together as opposed to 40 people on site with a, a form real poor package, FRP package. So you don't need as many uh, dunnies. You have no waste. You're not giving out three or four uh, containers of waste a week. I mean, all of that, when you add it up, there's a, such a big benefit for timber if it's planned properly and you can execute it as efficiently as it should in design. But it's, it's having the patience to go through the cost plan because the issue is everyone asks the square meter rate of timber. What is it? Uh, but timber, the way the geometries work, it's really sensitive to span and vibration. So you really need to do a concept first to then get an accurate price to then start going down that journey. And you can't compare square meter rates with square meter rates. I always say it has to be at 
cost plan three level. We need to to go down the full list of trades and the pluses and minus of trades to really get a true answer. Do you think then it works out to be more cost effective to build with timber in your experience or on a par or where would you say it sits in the whole scheme of things? Yeah, in my experience with the projects that have been delivered in the final outcome, we found that it can be more cost effective. But then again, it has to be architecturally and engineering developed for a timber building. Don't try and get timber to do something that steel or concrete is supposed to do. So it has to be optimized for timber and you have to use the right timber products in the right situations. You know, if you try and get it to cantilever 10 meters and ask it to have these crazy things which steel and concrete can do, you're a bit like trying to build a Ferrari and asking it to do the work of a Volkswagen. It doesn't work. So if you follow the right rules and have the right setup of grids and optimization, then yeah, absolutely. For architects who want to build with mass timber, but they haven't done it before, not everyone's going to have that skill set, which is why Timber Design Studio, your business has been so successful is because you've got this team of experts around you who have the skills. If an architect is thinking, right, we're going to look at mass timber for this next project, where do they start? Do they start talking to you from day one? What's the process? What would that look like for them to come in and work with a team like yours to bring their ideas to life? You know, you're bringing ideas to the table, they're bringing ideas to the table, or do they bring a concept to you and you say, let me show you how we can bring that to life? Both have worked, but if we're really starting from zero experience, I think as soon as the uh, architect's crayons are out and they start sketching, then that's the perfect time, right? And, And it's really about setting it up for success from day one. And I think that's the key thing, you know, trying to get a traditional concrete engineer to design timber, they're super intelligent and they can read the code, but to understand the intricacies of the difference of spans and how traditionally the learnings of Europeans over the last 30 years, that goes a long way. And I think, yeah, early engagement is important for optimization and for trying to get the best of both worlds. And that's one of the best things about timber. And that's when one of the things that was talked about in Europe for many years is timber brings people together. It's all about sharing ideas. And it's all about community and figuring out what's best depending on material selection and cost. So it's really a team effort because you're really building the building blocks. And with Timber, because we're going to like an LOD 400 level design uh, to be fabricated at 3D modeling, we really have to build those building steps so that we answer the right questions before we go to the next phase. Nothing is left unturned because we've seen it a lot of times where there's a lot of great concepts out there. And then it goes to a producer overseas and maybe a critical aspect hasn't been thought about. And then that drags the design team back six months to reconsider key elements. And so proper building blocks like building a Lego tower is super critical with timber. I'm interested to hear then a little bit about your background, a bit about your story. So how did you become fascinated with timber? And then how did you get this wealth of experience that you're sort of renowned for? And then how did that lead to Timber Design Studio and the collection of talented people that you're working with? Uh, I mean, originally, I'm not a timber background whatsoever. So I I studied construction engineering, construction management. And actually, when I first started my career, I worked on the Shard in London, the tallest skyscraper in Europe. So I was working on that as a construction manager for a few years and handed over that um, magnificent building. And then from there, I saw a niche in the market, actually. And and me and a a business partner started a firm called Van Duens, and we started partnering with the World Bank going around the world because we wanted to work with third world developing countries building sustainable infrastructure. So I dragged my wife after our wedding down to um, Honduras, to Central South America, and we did a hydroelectric dam there for about six or eight months in the middle of the jungle to provide uh, electricity for 8 million people there. And and, um, 
did a lot of projects in Africa with solar farms and smelting plants for minerals. And so spent six years traveling the world with them. And um, in my journeys, I, I, I realized, you know, especially working in third world countries, I realized the amount of you know, waste, the amount of concrete being used, and how oftentimes we weren't doing it the most economic in terms of sustainability, right? The construction methods weren't necessarily sustainable with the most sustainable products. So it was kind of a wake-up call watching these kids pour concrete in Honduras and realizing, I want my kids to have a bit of a better future. I didn't have children at the time, but I thought, well, there's much better ways to build these sort of buildings. And I think we need to smarten up considering the environmental topics at the time. So out of that, I started working briefly with Bluma Lema, and, and then unfortunately COVID happened and the office in Australia didn't proceed any further. But on the back of that, um, built a lot of great contacts here and a lot of old friends of mine from Switzerland and Germany. We got talking over a, a beer during COVID and realized there was such a big opportunity. So we all put our heads together and formed Timber Design Studio. And you know, while I run the the day to day, while I run the day to day, the business, I, my more focus is is more of the construction aspects and construction planning and selecting of the materials and costings of the buildings. And I was just lucky to have some amazing colleagues from years past that are absolute experts in the field. You know, more doctorate degrees than than I can spell, but these guys are, are world class and. It reflects in our work, I think, as a group at TDS. You know, we have some of the best guys in fire and some of the best guys in structural design and working with amazing architects here locally and amazing developers. Certainly, it's, it's gone well to date and hope to improve. But for us, I think the selling point is, is that, you know, while we're focusing on timber, hence the name, I think our motto is using timber where it makes sense, right? And so we're also with, with other partners and engineering firms in the country developing a lot of hybrid buildings where we're using steel beams and CLT floors and, and concrete cores or, or timber concrete composite floors in, in one project in particular uh, we're working on currently or, or high-rise buildings. And, and yeah, for us, it's about using the right timber in the right locations for the right outcome. But every developer has certain wants and we have to listen to those wants and work with the design team to find that balance between, you know, some people want local products, some people just care about the cheapest price. And some people want a world-class building and we can work all through the range. So so how do you go then about solving difficult engineering problems where you've got quite tight parameters? So if someone says to you, I want it to be mass timber, but they're sort of asking you to have mass timber do something that perhaps traditionally it hasn't been used for, how do you go to the drawing board and say, okay, let's get this to work? So are you drawing on those skill sets from those people within your team? Are you going to other people from previous experience? How, I suppose, do you bring creativity to the table to fit tight parameters and use the products that your clients have asked you to use? Like anything in the timber world or anything in any construction world, there's different specialists in different areas. And I think, luckily, the team that we have at TDS, we all have very different skill sets. And some of the guys are absolute experts in research and wood science. So going back to first principles of how timber will perform, given anything from UV to moisture content to different species. And then we have some fantastic guys who did their PhDs in different types of connections, uh, steel mechanical connections or timber connections, using just timber to connect timber to timber, high compression and tension. Or it could be 3D modeling to find unique geometries to make it work in a 3D model to get the engineering then to work. So taking a 2D drawing, turning it to 3D so we can really look at the problem more thoroughly and find you know, a balance between architecture and that. I mean, 
We actually have a really challenging one we're doing at the moment in the Middle East, a resort in the Middle East, where we're having to deal with a beautiful free-form canopy structure, which is cantilevering off moment-resistant connections about nine meters, and it's 12 meters tall, so it's on an angle. But it, being out in the desert, dealing with high humid, we're having to work with different species to overcome these challenges. And so it's exciting. You know, We always want to be on the cutting edge, but doing it within the realms of acceptability. So having like any business, you're only as good as the team you have around you. And that's certainly the case at TDS. Yeah. Speaking of being on the cutting edge and good teams, you've recently started working more closely with Cusp Building Solutions here in Tasmania, in addition to Timber Design Studio. What can you tell me about your role there? There's some fantastic local producers. There's some amazing producers of glue, lime, and CLT in this country. And I think the future looks bright. And with Cusp, you know, we've worked with them from a, a wood science perspective the last few years, developing their product. And so uh, I guess the time has come, the product's in the market, and they've recently committed to a big investment into one of the largest glue lamp presses in the country, which is super exciting. And of course, they have the CLT, and they're not only working with Knightons now, but also they're fabricating spruce CLT locally. So having that relationship with them, I mean, we design for manufacturers around the world at TDS, but myself personally, I there's a great opportunity. They're a fantastic company. They've invested heart and soul. I mean, Ron Goldschlager, the, the owner there, is, he's a visionary with what he's done there. And I, as I've always said, they're sort of one degree away from optimization. And I think now they're absolutely on the right track. And with this recent reinvestment into the business, I have agreed to come on and really more so be the link between design, construction, and procurement. And so really trying to provide solutions uh, to the market, which can be fabricated by the guys, optimized costings, providing those advices, and then helping deliver the project. So as the projects come in, really helping them break down to what all the elements that actually need to be fabricated, the fabrication documentation, working with the team they have there, 3D modelers, and then helping the construction companies prepare for it going out to site optimized. So yeah, it's an exciting role. It is taking up some of my time now. And happy to support them as I've supported others before. But with them, certainly I've a bit of a love for the product. You know, what they've done with Knightons, I think, is really, um, really uh, innovative. And it certainly spoke to a lot of things that I want to do, trying to be a green swan, I guess, full circle. I was going to say, full circle, from Africa to all of the things that you've just talked us through, I think aspiring to be a green swan, I'd say you're there. You're absolutely moving the needle. And from the discussions we've had, it sounds like more and more architects are coming to you saying, right, I want to build with mass timber or some hybrid version of. I think by being able to provide the confidence and the expertise to the marketplace for architects and developers to do that, it will have a significant impact on our global challenge with climate change. And that must feel, you know, intrinsically rewarding for you. Are you seeing a trend? now where more and more it's moving in that direction? Is it becoming less acceptable not to consider timber? Well, actually, we had uh, TDS were never the main engineer on a project. We're always a specialist. So we work with some of the biggest um, engineering firms in the country as a partner in particular. And where we sort of found our leverage is the fact that these big firms have come to us saying that 50% of their architectural developer clients want at least a timber option at this stage to to look at. And so they realized that this sort of skill set isn't as readily available in Australia as many other materials. So this is where sort of TDS has found its footing in the door and, and to provide these sort of services and partnership. 
And so, yeah, I mean, if 50% of, of buildings at the moment want timber options, at least, you know, it's only a matter of time to more and more stack up. And I think more and more as the architects start to to develop skills and setting up a timber building and so the nuances of different products they can work with and play with in different species, I think it's only a matter of time. I wasn't in Australia at the time, but, uh, you know, years ago, people told me this was like when post-tension slabs come in. Lend-Lease, I believe, uh, potentially did the first couple ones and then you know, it was a bit of time. Now, now it's run of the mill. Everyone does it. I, I see this as that sort of same thing. And the same thing happened in Germany and Switzerland. It was a thought 30 years ago. And now I think I read something the other day that 60% of timber buildings in Germany have at least some aspect of timber truss roof or whatever it may be. I think that's going to be the trend. And that's what people have to realize. It isn't all or nothing. We can fit in with all other materials. It's just a matter of that balance and finding that balance in design is going to be the key, I think. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dana. I have found that incredibly informative. Such an interesting conversation. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for the honour. Many thanks once again to Dane for taking the time to speak with us. Make sure to check out the show notes at originalthinkers.com.au where you'll find further information and links to everything we talked about on today's episode. Thanks also to the sponsors of this episode, Original Tasmanian Timber. Make sure to visit tasmaniantimber.com.au, the ultimate resource for architects, designers and anyone interested in local, sustainable and beautiful timbers. And Ablewood by Neville Smith Forest Products, who make flooring, lining, mouldings and decorative timber products from Tasmanian oak, expertly crafted in Tasmania since 1924. Visit ablewood.com.au. And finally, thank you for joining me. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Original Thinkers podcast this year. We're taking a break over summer and we'll be back next year with more from Australia's brightest minds.